I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and it's time for Reset's Weekly News Recap. This is your chance to catch up on the biggest news of the week, because we are taking you behind the headlines of stories like these. In a narrow vote today, a committee of Chicago aldermen has given the green light to Mayor Lori Lightfoot's gas and transit giveaway. A major blow to the transportation mask mandate in the past few hours, a federal judge here in Florida has struck down the mandate. The DOJ will appeal this. Metro board member Ricardo Estrada suggests the transit agency establish a mask-only car. Tonight, we're just hours into the governor lifting his mask mandate on all Chicago public transit. That's a lot, and there's a whole lot more. So here to help us make sense of the week is WTTW political correspondent Amanda Vinicky. Welcome back, Amanda. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Happy Earth Day, everybody. Happy Earth Day. And joining us for the very first time on the News Recap is Brandon Pope. He's host of the new weekly news magazine show, On the Block, that is co-produced by Block Club Chicago, and it airs on WCIU Channel 26. Mm -hmm. A warm welcome, Brandon. Hey, happy to be here. It's exciting. All right, let's jump in. There was mask mayhem nationwide this week after a federal judge overturned the public transportation mask mandate. How did Governor Pritzker react to the ruling, Amanda? So that actually added to the mayhem, in my opinion. I had covered the governor in the morning when he held a press conference to sign the state budget. I'm sure we'll get to that later. But asked, you know, in in light of these federal changes, will you be making any changes here in Illinois? And he said, we're we're sticking with it. The key is that we're reporting metrics so people can make decisions. Mm -hmm. And really, you have seen, I think, the, the governor for having throughout much of the pandemic having statewide orders in effect and really having his administration call the shots. Right. Moving to saying this is going to be left up to localities and to businesses. So what ended by the afternoon was he issued a statewide executive order that lifted the mandate. And that made everybody else, all the other agencies, particularly we're looking at Metra, CTA, that had been citing the state order as a reason why people needed to continue to mask up despite despite the federal decision to say, oh, wait, now we're lifting it masks optional. So mask mayhem, but really that's the name of the game right now that masks are optional at this point. So the judge's ruling essentially puts the responsibility back on us as individuals for what to do. Exactly. And I mean, to me, it is a matter of respect. I was recently, you know, in in a ride share and the driver's wearing a mask. I put one on too. That to me is a sign that that is what somebody wants to be comfortable with. I certainly have, uh, um, am somebody who has gone out to restaurants and am fine leaving one off. I'm going to take one off most of the time while I am there. Um, To me, it is a matter of respect, but it certainly is something that I think I imagine if I were a ride share driver would be Somewhat uneasy right. because you don't know what you're going to be getting I'm there. I'm just so used to wearing the thing, though. I tweeted mm. the other day, I don't know if you saw it, Brandon, about being in Trader Joe's and being the only person that didn't have a Trader Joe's T-shirt on wearing a mask. Yeah, and I think we're at this reality, this weird point where it's like, do I put it on? Do I don't? I, I personally, you know, seeing these mask mandates go away for these these airplanes and stuff, I'm like, nah, nah, you still going to see me masked up. <laughs> Hey, you ain't catching me slipping because we still see, you know, in Philadelphia and other places, cases rising. COVID and, and is in not Chicago, gone. cases in Chicago. rising. Yeah. yeah. Now, hospitalizations are down, but, you know, you still want to stay vigilant and protect others as much as you can. So this might be the way to go. Optional. 
everyone make their own personal mm-hmm. health decisions, but I still worry for the immunocompromised and those like that. Well, too. Certainly. And I think uh, as you heard in the beginning there in those clips that you're seeing the DOJ take action to try and reinforce this. I, uh, I think that with many of these decisions, there's a degree of precedent. And so th- there's that element to it. But also, uh, again, this has become so politically fraught. And frankly, I think on both sides, the, a lot of people say it, it is those who are anti-mask where this is politics. Mm-hmm. Um, one could make an argument that the lifting of mask mandates by administrations, including Biden and Pritzker, that there's an element of politics there, too. Right. I, I mean, yeah. for a long time, there are there are reasons for that. We have vaccines now. As you noted, Brandon, hospitalizations are not going up even when cases right are. And yet, okay, yeah, there's an election on the horizon. What part does that play into some of these decisions? I I don't think that you can escape that politics are part of every politician's decision. Connect the two names right there. And just to underscore something you just brought up, Amanda, the DOJ is appealing the federal judge's ruling. So this could all change again very soon. It could. And what yeah. we don't know is whether if the DOJ did that, whether the statewide executive order would be reinstated. We, we don't have an answer to that. All right, Brandon, we had some other transportation news this week, and that's the uh, City Council Budget Committee. They gave the green light to the mayor's gas and Ventra card giveaway. What are the details of that program? Yeah, I mean, what a program it is. Some aldermen concerned that Mayor Lightfoot's program is more politics than helping the people. She's proposing uh, about $12.5 million of city money to go toward $50,000, 50,000 gas cards and transit cards for people. That proposal has been tweaked since to include low income and people in what they can they consider lower transit or depressed areas like the south and west side to make sure they go to them. But you you had this battle going on within city council and it's a classic battle of okay, uh, we need to pass this to bring help to people right now versus well we could be doing more. This doesn't go far enough. Yeah. Um, that battle playing out and so this heads to the full city council next week passing the budget committee. So that's one hurdle, but it's going to be interesting to see where the votes align when we get down to the full vote with the council. Yeah. Lightfoot did tweak her original plan a bit, right? Absolutely. So remind us who exactly is eligible. So the people that are eligible are people that are below the uh, federal poverty line. A a typical household making $18,000 or less is especially possible. Originally, her plan was going to be a lottery for all Chicagoans. This is for low income. It's been tweaked since. Yeah, and and I think that was a sensible move, both politically and practically Mm -hmm. on her part. There certainly is a widespread movement to uh, move away, not from gas cards, which is getting a lot of attention Mm -hmm. due, of course, to inflation, Russia, reasons that gas prices are rising, but also uh, to move people who can't afford it to be able to take public transit to their jobs. I I think public transit's a fascinating place right now, right? With COVID, with crime, um, people going back to work, all of it. Brandon, you noted that we're going to have to watch and see how the council mm-hmm. votes. I, it's interesting. I right. interviewed Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor last night and she said, you know, I don't like it, but I'll probably vote for it interesting. because this is politically palatable to a lot of residents. It's sort of a risky move to not go vote for something like this. When people see gas relief, clearly they like it. Clearly it's popular. Oh, wait, we saw that with Willie Wilson. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> and many concerned that this is literally just Lightfoot's response to Willie Wilson. This is her own political response to well, that. Well, let's talk about him. Mayoral candidate, <laughs> candidate Willie Wilson, he's doing another 
million dollar gas giveaway tomorrow. Give us yeah. the details, Brandon. Oh my God, another one million dollar giveaway. Uh, these have become a little bit infamous because they do create traffic disruptions. The city trying to create their own kind of stop gaps and measures to make sure things go smoothly. Um, so this giveaway, uh, it's going to be going all throughout Chicago, but also some suburbs, Cicero, Dalton, Hillside, and some other ones. It starts at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, this time around, people cannot line up before 7 o'clock in the morning. Okay. What caused a lot of those long traffic disruptions we had before, people getting up there at 2, 3, 4, 5 in the morning, and then all of a sudden, you're blocked from getting out of your driveway. That, the city's hoping, doesn't happen this time. They're also trying to do a ticketing system where you have a sticker that represents your place in line. Now, Sounds promising. It, it sounds promising, but <laughs> okay. I'm just I, I'm still wondering exactly how logistically that's going to work. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure the city is sure how logistically it's going to work. They're just kind of hoping for the best here. Uh, but Willie Wilson, he's uh, ambitious. He's saying I'm going to do it again as he's announced his candidate, uh, his campaign for mayor. We actually talked to him for our show on the block, and I I asked him, you know, what are your concerns when it comes to criticisms that this is all a political ploy? And he's like, well, someone's got to be doing something about this, and he thinks he's the one that is the man to do it. Now, Amanda, while these gas giveaways were being planned, the mayor spoke to the City Club of Chicago on Tuesday. Now, she had a lot of things to say about where the city's headed, all the things we would expect a mayor to say, but she didn't deal with what was clearly on a lot of people's minds. Let's listen. We have faced unprecedented challenges, and we have met those challenges head on with unprecedented resolve and coming together. And we've made a difference in the lives of our residents and more to do. So thank you all for continuing to choose Chicago and the people who call it home. And oh, by the way, for those of you who came today expecting a different announcement, <laughs> not today, but soon. Be patient. Thank you all. <laughs> so why hasn't she announced yet that she's running for re-election? I, I'm not sure when the timing will come right now. You maybe want to get that gas issue resolved and I'm something to, to, seat, to talk though. about. But I mean, I, I, she's going to run, right? It would be huge news if she did not Less big a news if she actually does run again. I mean, not to say that we won't be doing stories. I, I'm not surprised that she didn't announce her campaign for a second term at a city club speech. No, that that's generally not how it's done. You want to be in a controlled environment. I don't know whether it will be some sort of traditional rally. We mm -hmm. hadn't seen actually a lot of that, even with statewide candidates, in part because of COVID, virtual, and that's a more controlled setting. It's certainly different for Lightfoot because she's constantly in front of the media. So she wants to make as big of a a splash as possible. This way she gets a couple of splashes. And again, maybe waiting for something like the, the gas giveaway to be yeah. resolved. So that isn't the message. Instead, she can give one that is more about what she's accomplished, what she hopes to do in the future and include that on her list of accomplishments. I want to turn now to a media related story also involving Lori Lightfoot. Mm. A year ago, I remember this. I was brand new to Chicago. She announced she was only going to give interviews to reporters of color. Now, Brandon, you are the president of the Chicago chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. Did the mayor's policy actually give minority journalists and minority media more access to her? Well, the tough part is it's tough to call it a policy instead of like a, you know, a one day, you know, political tactic, it felt like. In theory, 
that was great for the tribe and a lot of these publications for that one day. But we've not seen anything further come of it. There's not been increased access. There's not been further efforts to try to give. I'm still waiting. I mean, yeah, black and brown reporters, we're still, where's our exclusives? If you're listening, Mayor Lightfoot. (laughs) So, I mean, that's that's the issue. The, The big issue we've had here is that, okay, you presented this as this big issue you want to solve. Yet you have not done anything beyond this surprise, I'm doing this thing, tactic yeah. to address the issue. And so uh, that's my concern as the president of the National Association of Black Journalists. Our whole mission is, you know, diversifying newsrooms. We're the first people you should probably talk to about that. And she has not talked to us once. So you're saying her media policy or media day didn't impact minority representation in newsrooms? Not at all. Not one. You know, I think it started a conversation. I I will say, especially then. And that that said, it's a conversation, I think, that had been going outside of Lightfoot. I mean, if you're living in the modern world, it's a conversation that we should all be having in terms of both who is reporting the news, who you're talking to when you're doing stories. Sources is what we would call them. Uh, The communities that you're in. I mean, I, I would it is certainly a conversation in the WTTW newsroom, the Chicago Headline Club. It, it is something that people are concerned about. I, it was a, a very, to me, kind of flawed way of having rolled it out when the mayor did it. It, it wasn't announced. Yeah. It was instead sort of came up as a tweet. That yeah. was a year ago. I, I think looking forward, though, there certainly are ways. As a journalist, I would be hesitant in a sense to uh, there should be some distance between an elected official, a politician and journalist. Um, I'm, I'm wary of, you know, working with an administration to mm-hmm. to craft policy per se. But as an instig- instigating a conversation, it could be there. And there are certain things that the administration could be doing without needing to, quote unquote, cooperate with Chicago media in order to do that in terms of access to journalists of color right. and ad dollars that are placed from the city to publications and other entities that are for people of color. Well, I want to roll on to something else. There was a lot of buzz about cannabis this week because of 420. Uh, It's a date that's become. Yes, yes. Uh, A date that's become associated with the now legal drug. Right. So what were some of the marijuana related events going on in and around the city and state this week, Amanda? Oh, my gosh. They're still going, I I believe. I have not attended any myself, but I got some press releases. I I, I, I am. am. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. I mean, it's legal. Go for it. Just been working, you know. Uh, But uh, this weekend, there are concerts. There are contests. Oh, that's not true. I did partake, I guess, in um, I went to a local pizza place that was offering a 420 special. um, And I love, love, love hot stuff. This was a pizza slice that had Flamin' Hot Cheetos on top and like sprinkled Flamin' Hots and jalapenos. It was really good. But uh, so so, so there's some of that. There was also on the policy front some action from um, I've been covering the legalization of marijuana for some years now. And one of the continued this relates to the conversation we were just having is that this was supposed to be a law that changed the whole equation and repaired wrongs of the war on drugs. And instead, there are still no people of color heading up any of the dispensaries that are currently functioning. The only places where those who want to can legally purchase marijuana that's still all held, held up in court in the 185 licensees some of whom we don't have a great detail um, mm-hmm. are people of color are, are still waiting and in fact losing money as this is fought out in the courts.
We're about halfway through this roundup, and there's a few more stories that we simply can't forget. U.S. Attorney John Lausch announced his office will not bring federal charges against the former Chicago police officer who murdered Laquan McDonald. It's the fourth day of a strike by more than 1,500 graduate student workers at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Bulls up five right there. They win it 114 to 110. DeRozan 41 points. That's a playoff career high. The state budget is officially signed. In it, relief from grocery tax, gas tax, and even savings in property taxes. So let's turn now to state politics. The governor signed a $46 billion budget. Amanda, what were the highlights? $46 billion. Wow. Uh, I know, I know. So is Let the, me just hold five. Yeah. Five. <laughs> just, just give me five of those billions. Uh, so th- there are a lot of highlights. And so I'll start with things that haven't actually gotten a ton of attention. And there is some lasting change that will make a big difference potentially for households that are low income. And that is a change to the earned income tax credit, increasing the amount of that credit. So basically, you know, more money back. And also more people will be eligible for this, including 18 to 24 year olds who don't have children and those over the age of 65. So it's it's that's a big deal. And people most often undocumented immigrants who don't have Social Security numbers and instead use individual tax numbers to file their taxes will be able to get this tax break. Also, a ton of money going all over the place. Um, There's been a lot of focus, I think, in Chicago on anti-violence prevention programs. Questions about some of this funding, however, are we still have to look into it. There are certainly accusations, some of it very much legit. Others mm-hmm. say, eh, is this pork? Is this a wise use of money? And how much of it is going to be built into the base of the budget that's going to cause problems down the road? And then what's really gotten the headliners, you, you just heard there, the anchor, is some of these measures of tax relief that, oh, lo and behold, are coming as an election year comes up. So we've yeah. talked about Willie Wilson. We've talked about Lightfoot and the gas giveaways. Illinois is kind of doing the same thing. You're going to get... Uh, One year lifting of the the 1% grocery tax. 1%. So, again, not to say that that doesn't make a a difference to people who are really counting their pennies, but it is literally a penny on a $10 purchase. So it's big headlines. And that's where even some Democrats that I have spoken with say, could that money have been put better to use by, again, giving to community organizations versus something that is going to save a dollar on $100 to everybody in Illinois, regardless of need. Brandon, which of these do you think is going to be maybe the big winner with voters? Gas tax freeze, this grocery tax? Uh, I think it's the gas tax for sure, because that's what's on everybody's mind. It's filling up to our heartstrings. When every time you I don't even drive in the city, but every time I'm driving by a gas sign, I cringe because it just seems like the numbers go up. And up and up. Oh, and they're up. going up. Yes. As a driver, I can tell you. They're okay. going up. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't even imagine the cost it takes for a family that's just, they, they need to get their kids to school, need to get their family from here to there, how much it costs to fill up. So any relief possible with that, I think, is what all families can, can get on board with right now. And I think you can kind of see it by how popular, again, these giveaways are yeah. versus Wilson gave away straight up cash previously. Yeah. And that didn't get as much attention right. as this. And it's a sign of how important it is. And briefly, I'll add that, uh, again, the, the gas giveaway, it's 
probably not going to add up much by some estimates, like 60 bucks a year for your average driver. Right. It, and rural families are particularly impacted by these rising prices because they've got to drive further distances, mm-hmm. have no option of public transit. So it's, it's something that is, we talk about, not just a like grown, but really a yeah. weight on folks' household incomes and spending. Well, in other state fiscal news, Moody's upgraded the state's credit rating for the second time in a year. How big of a deal is that, Amanda? Yeah, cheers that freshie <laughs> to, to that news. <laughs> At least you, Can they boost mine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is a, a big deal. And again, something that I, I think the Pritzker campaign can reasonably campaign on and say, hey, look, I am uh, have righted the fiscal ship after it was really in the doldrums. Yeah. Moody's, it, it is certainly good news, and it saves the state money when Illinois does borrowing. It's sort of a fis- picture of fiscal health, like if, when you go to the doctor and get you know your blood pressure checked it's it's good news but it's not like illinois is out of the woods moody's pointed that out talked about long-term unfunded liabilities 130 billion dollars in pensions still on illinois um, balance sheet and further illinois still has the worst in the nation credit rating so good news but not great mm. yeah. something else we, we got some new numbers this week about how much money pritzker and his Rival gubernatorial candidate Richard Irvin have been spending on their campaign ads, which I'm seeing all over the place. What's the latest there, Amanda? Yeah, I believe 10 million each, and this Ooh. is just this is just. <laughs> I can the, believe it. Yeah, I know. I see them all the time. I see Irvin's time. commercial every five minutes mm-hmm. on when you're not the watching WTCW, <laughs> of course, of course, because uh, yeah. we we don't air those. The perks of public media, am I right? Right, right. Um, <laughs> so I. This is just, I think, a down payment. Um, we are beginning to see moves as well. It's sort of becoming the battle of the billionaires, you could say, with uh, Pritzker, his own money, funding this. Irvin, funded by Ken Griffin. And then um, Dick Uline coming in for Darren Bailey, who is and really the GOP primary is seen as sort of a face-off between the latter two individuals that I just talked about. Yeah. All right. We're going to turn our attention over to the Chicago Reader. Mm. Their editorial union held a rally yesterday, Brandon. What was that about? And can you also fill us in on the backstory there? Yeah, the, the reader, they're trying to save the reader. Right now, uh, union members uh, say that they are at risk of uh, not having enough money to maintain their operating costs um, if they do not transition to a nonprofit model. Their owner, Len Goodman, a co-owner of the company, he's at the center of this controversy. He is kind of, in a sense, stalling this transition to a nonprofit. This all started with him writing a column inside the reader, expressing concerns and doubts about vaccinating his six-year-old child. Okay. Um, Within that article, there were lots of inaccuracies that journalists flagged. So Tracy Bame, the co-publisher of the reader, she hired an independent fact checker to go through, and they found different inaccuracies. That's what good journalists do, um, and they wanted to remove the column, or at least add some sort of note at the end saying, you know, we've independently reviewed some of these claims. Mm -hmm. Len Goodman did not want that. And he is arguing the free speech censorship thing. Um, So now the board and Len Goodman, they want Tracy Bame as co-publisher removed, as well as a, a series of other things before they move forward into a nonprofit model. Reader, union members, people that work at the Reader, 
they want to move to that nonprofit so they can get that key funding they need and mm-hmm. they can just do what they love to do. And that's right. And be the great alternative newspaper they are. So I was at the rally for there 50 yesterday years, yeah. for 50 years. I was at the rally there yesterday. The passions are high. Um, they've got full union support from around the, the city of Chicago. Um, but it's just it, it's this we, we see this battle. We saw it with the Tribune um, of, of, you know, these these owners kind of getting in the way of what the people need. Journalism at its heart is a people-focused initiative. Obviously, there's a business side to it, and that's one of the more unfortunate sides of journalism, but it is for the public good. Well, Amanda, there were also some unhappy employees over at the University of Illinois at Chicago, Mm. right? That's where uh, the graduate teaching assistants, they're also on strike. What's their situation? So these are mostly PhD students who also teach undergrads, and that is the way in which they are employees for the university. They are still on strike. I actually just checked before the show to make sure that there had been no settlement despite ongoing talks, and the answer is no, there is no contract agreed to. And among the issues are things like harassment protections they say they want more of, and also uh, fees. So again, these are students. We all, if you if you went to college, you know you had to pay not just tuition, but student fees. They say, hey, wait, we're having to pay fees as a condition of employment. The university saying, you are a student. That's why you're here. You have to pay the fees. It's particularly an issue for international students, uh, the union says, because they aren't permitted by virtue of attending classes internationally mm-hmm. to get outside work and they're paid mm, under 20k switching gears it's going to be 80 degrees tomorrow i don't know if anyone anyone has noticed yes that's exciting for most of us but for police superintendent david brown it also means preparing for the increased crime that often comes with that good weather what is he proposing brandon his strategy is very interesting he's coming out of his media hiding and when he first came in as superintendent he was more on the city crisis model strategy, which is more focused on preventing, you know, uprisings and handling protests and things like that. So a lot of the city focus was downtown, north side, things like that. Now he wants to move back to beat cops and back to cops on the streets in the most dangerous neighborhoods and most crime-ridden neighborhoods Mm. to address that at the source. Now, many critics have argued this should have been what happened from the start. In fact, interim superintendent Charlie Beck Uh, That's what his strategy was before uh, Brown came in and reduced that. So Brown is touting numbers, some decreases from 2021 to 2022 as reason to be optimistic. However, those numbers were still higher in crime than the year 2020. So there's still a lot of work to be done here. Uh, But that transition from 872 officers on this citywide kind of stopping uprisings unit, that's being scaled back all the way down to about 120 officers. So they're really trying to spread this back out to the south and west side and hit those danger zones in a sense. So the key thing here is going to be how will these police officers work with community groups and groups on the ground to get that crime strategy? Because just having more police on the streets, I think we've seen time and time again, that isn't the end all be all to solving it. Let's go through Very quickly, a couple more Chicago police stories. Union President John Catanzaro failed in his attempt to extend his term from three to five years. Quickly, how did union members respond, Amanda? Uh, Well, not well. They they voted it down. It's interesting because Catanzaro, of course, um, says that he's doing this because it is a waste of money for the union to have to spend $200,000 for campaigns every so often. And also, he says he wants initiatives like moving the FOP headquarters, health care for all that would be diminished if there is a change in leadership. I don't know. I was not at this private meeting, but presumably the argument would be, well, win election again. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and that's how you can continue those. Catanzaro, though, also eyeing another elected post, and that, of course, is that of Chicago mayor, which is where many believe his plan to try and prolong his FOP term stemmed from so he wouldn't have to run two campaigns at once. Brandon, U.S. Attorney John Lausch says that there's going to be no federal charges filed against former officer Jason Van Dyke for the murder of Laquan McDonald back in 2014. Any surprises? Uh, no surprises there. The big controversy here is uh, Lausch contending that the family said they don't want this. And then we've had a press conference just yesterday with family members saying, we didn't say that at all. That is not the case here. So it's interesting seeing how this story is still playing out years later and the the raw feelings and emotion that's still there from it and the things we still have to answer for when it comes to police misconduct in this city. This story is going to keep on going. Yeah. All right. Well, we like to close on good news here at the Weekly News Recap. And basketball fans, they have it this week. Uh, the Bulls, <laughs> The Bulls are in the playoffs for the first time in five years. Throwing this over to you, Brandon, how big of a deal is this? Oh, this is huge. The United Center is going to be rocking tonight, 730. <laughs> and, and here's why it's even bigger of a deal. No one really gave the Bulls a chance in this series, probably not even Bulls fans, because the Bulls have struggled against top competition inside the league. Every Bulls game I've been to, they lost. That's not scientific, but I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, the one I went to, they won, so. Maybe you're the good luck charm. I don't know. But now <laughs> that get the, you over there tonight. the Bucks have now lost their second best player for the rest of the series and Chris Middleton with an MCL sprain. And the Bulls won that last game. The series now tied 1-1. They need three more to clinch. There's a lot more optimism now that the Bulls can come in here and actually contend in this series and maybe even win it. So you're hopeful for Game 3 tonight? I am very hopeful. This is going to be an environment we haven't seen in Chicago in a very long time, and Chicago is a basketball city. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, so <laughs> we are ready to go. All right, well, before we go... Quickly, tell me stories on your radar for the coming week. You first, Amanda. Uh, stories for the coming week will be, oh gosh, I mean, hopefully the Bulls, and also after enjoying this nice 80-degree <laughs> day tomorrow, I, I think we'll be watching, when is this announcement from Lightfoot going to come? You're going to be watching for the outcome of this um, gas situation. Also, there's been a lawsuit filed against, let's not forget, not only do we have an election, a constitutional amendment will be on that ballot, and there's been a lawsuit filed against it to try and strike it down. And this is interesting because it comes as we've seen, it's a pro-worker, quote-unquote, amendment backed by labor and that comes as we're seeing a lot of attention toward unionization yeah you brandon i'll stick with sports the chicago bears enter the nfl draft they have no first round picks but they do have a hot young quarterback in justin fields how do they build around him how do they draft it's going to be key as we have a new gm and a new head coach we're going to get a glimpse into the future on thursday that's it for today's reset podcast for more conversations about the top local news of the week Subscribe and make sure this podcast is in your feed. We drop a new episode every weekday. But that's all for today. Thanks for spending time with us, and we'll catch you back here on Monday with a brand new episode. WBEZ remains laser-focused on our mission to provide you with fact-based journalism. But that mission is only possible with your continued financial support. Become a sustaining contributor today. Give now at wbeez.org slash donate.